Great Singers of Opera podcast, your in-depth resource into the world of opera and its vast experts, featuring vocal specialist Max Schau. Greetings, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of the Great Singers of Opera podcast. I'm your host, Max Schau. It has been a lot of work and planning putting this all together, but it's finally here, and I am very, very, very pleased to be presenting this. To give you a brief overview of the series, it is an educational tool for young and developing singers. I will be interviewing teachers and professional singers and discussing technique and various aspects of the art. Also, I will be presenting master classes, lectures, and special focus episodes. And we will be building a video archive of these events over time to provide a more complete educational database. Hopefully, through this series, we can provide young, aspiring singers the insights and professional understanding of vocal technique, performance acumen, and career development advice from current and world-class opera singers. Our first teacher spotlight will focus on a few of the current faculty from Jacobs School of Music at Indiana University Bloomington. To kick everything off, I'm bringing you a short teaser episode featuring Professor Timothy Noble, who's been at IU for almost 18 years. He's had a great career and still has regular engagements at the age of seven which is pretty amazing. If you have a moment, please check out his bio either at the IU webpage or go to greatsingersofopera.com and it's in the podcast section. Since this is geared toward younger singers, I am starting as basic as possible. As we progress, we will get into deeper discussions about the more subtle and intricate topics, but for now, I'm trying to set up a really good foundation and asking the types of questions those just getting interested in voice should be asking and thinking about. Also, there will be times during the interviews where the person I'm talking to will be doing something very physical, and when that happens, down in the description, I will be detailing with a timestamp exactly what's happening so you can have a better idea of what's going on. I hope you find this as engaging and exciting as I do, and let's get it started. All right, so first, how young were you when you started singing? Singing? Yes. Oh, well, my dad was a music teacher uh, in a high school. He studied to, um, he, he was a tubist. He actually played in the Indianapolis Symphony back in the 40s when Fabian Zavinsky okay. was conducting. He actually played in a concert that Rachmaninoff played. Oh, nice. That is awesome. Yeah. So my mom had studied to be a concert pianist, so the music was in the house. So I sang just, I was just a kid. I wasn't, you know, I, they never pushed me into anything at all. Sure. And so I liked to sing, and I always sang. I sang at church, mostly. Mm -hmm. And I was a boy soprano, and when my voice changed, then I got in the high school choir and all that. But my primary focus was percussion all through my high school years, and even into college, I was a percussion major. Very nice. What was your best instrument? Just snare drum. Oh, just snare drum? Yeah. Uh, what, who was your first teacher? Percussion teacher? No, no, voice teacher. I... I think I'd have to say it was Don Nguyen, N-E-U-E-N. -E He's uh, retired now, but he was a choral guy. He was at Ball State in those days. Okay. And he, uh, <laughs> it's kind of the blind leading the blind. I just sang naturally, I always did. But mm -hmm. it was, uh, he had a, a real great Christy Minstrel type of group. It was mm -hmm. a, a show choir thing, but uh, of the old variety. Mm -hmm. And I loved that. So I was in that. And we, he didn't know a lot and about, he knew what he wanted to hear. But he was young then, and mm -hmm. I certainly didn't know anything. 
And so it was it was a thing that we did for, I don't know, a year or so. I don't know that I did a lot. He taught, I mean, one of the first things he dragged out, he wanted me to sing the prologue to Pagliacci. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what you start with a young baritone, right? <laughs> Not. <laughs> well, I've been reading about how for everybody it's a little bit different. You, They say you start out with lighter things with a younger voice, but if something feels easy for a young voice, do you think that that's okay to start teaching that? What, the prologue? Oh, no, just anything that may seem heavier to some people if it feels easy for the person singing it, no matter their age. I don't know. Probably not. Mm -hmm. You know, the, you know about the voice. It ages as it ages. And it's one of those things that most young people want to sing stuff that's heavy. Right. And what they end up doing... Um, even though you know that that's the place the voice is going. Mm -hmm. You don't want to build that heaviness into the voice because what it does when you get weighted in the middle, and that's what happens a lot, it makes singing the top end of the voice difficult. Right, right. And the top end thins out because there's so much heaviness. So you end up singing in reverse. You know, you have a lot of weight in the middle, a lot of space in the middle, and the sound's big, and then you get up to the top, and wham, it thins out. Mm -hmm. So it's better off to take your time and get the technique right. I think I tell my kids it's more about how you sing than what you sing. Right. You know, so uh, they sing what they're capable of singing. Okay. No more, no less. And, you know, I just, they could be a soprano, a mezzo, whatever, a bass, bass, baritone, but when they're that young, that could change. Right. It always, you know, <laughs> it can change. I've heard that. I've had it happen a lot. So we just, you're just a singer when you come here. <laughs> <laughs> How would you describe your teaching style? My style? Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, we laugh a lot. Yeah. You know, I'm pretty irreverent and often inappropriate, and uh, everybody just has to deal with it or not. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, I like... You know, kids today don't learn in the old German or Russian atmosphere where, right. you know, my mom was German and boy, I played, when I studied no. piano with her, if I didn't, I didn't get it right, she had a stick. And oh, quit, wow. Hit me on the knuckles. So, know. would you say it's more of a bel canto type of singing? Oh, it's philosophically? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I come right out of the bel canto school. My teacher was Nicola Rossi Lameni and Virginia Zayani, my last teachers. These are the people that I worked with. The breath is what I use. The old uh, Ian Alare, and I also, you know, uh, do a lot of work in Mesa de Voce okay. uh, with, with the kids and learning to spin the sound and to draw the sound, to inhale the sound rather than shoving it. And I know, I know, I'm 70, I'm still singing, mm -hmm. and I know it works. <laughs> and it's not to say that it's the end all for, mm -hmm. you know, for some people it might not work, but I can tell you this, it promulgates longevity in the voice. And if you really want to shove on the voice and make a lot of sound, that's fine. You can do that, but you can count on have a shortened career. Mm -hmm. That will happen. So you would say then that proper breathing is important. I think <laughs> it is the most important thing. How do you take a breath then? When I take a breath, for me, it's just, uh, it's very short. My wife calls it the bikini breath. <laughs> so I tell my sopranos, I say, you're walking down the beach in your bikini, all right? And you're just kind of shuffling along. You see Brad Pitt. What's the first thing you do? <laughs> they pull it in and push it yeah, out, you know? Absolutely. And I said, yeah, well, that's kind of what it is. It's just that. And I breathe down. I th imagine my buddy Pulamanos, he talks about his lungs being in his butt cheeks, you know? <laughs> well, that's a little extreme, but I like yeah. breathing down into the back and, and trying not to take this clavicular high breath, which yes. doesn't work at all. Right. So it's a ventricular kind of breathing where I breathe down into the back. And when I do that, 
these lower abs, the the uh, lower abs, uh, the abdominals, the inner abdominals mm -hmm. at the you know the very base of the crotch there, flatten a little okay. bit, and the obliques are engaged, the, mm -hmm. the rib cage is open. Okay, and then the idea is, but it's not that. It's very, my breath is minimal. Mm -hmm. That's a good breath for me right there. That's all I need to sustain a phrase. Do you feel any engagement in the legs or the buttocks when you when you breathe like that? When I really need it. Mm -hmm. Mostly it's just keeping, I yeah, I use my legs a lot. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Especially if I have high notes or I'm bringing a little extra weight to the sound. Right. And I have to be careful with that. We all do. Mm -hmm. But, oh yeah, I'm a very physical singer. Always have been. But I think that what is, you know, this, this thing, this inalare, is really great. And I tell my kids it's it's the flip side of the same coin. You can approach it by taking your breath and flattening abs in front a little bit. That's all. And when that happens, the ribs open up mm -hmm. and you're ready to go. The trick is sustaining that. And so, you know, all of this becomes your air compressor. Right. And it kind of works. It's like a French press, if you will, or a bellows effect. Right. So how does all, all of this relate to the idea of support? What would be, if anything, different? Is is this all just the idea of what support is? That's what, it's less about support than it is breath management. Okay. Yeah, you can call it support. Uh, you can call it whatever you like. Mm -hmm. But for me, it is managing the flow of the air. Okay. And the flow of the air can never stop. Right. In a given phrase. It just doesn't. And if it does, then you're going to be in trouble. But if you keep the air pressure underneath and it's steady and easy and not using a lot, the idea is to use as little as possible. And when you do that, you can sustain the breath for a lot longer time with less breath. You take a big breath like this, and I guarantee you that you're going to end up wasting a lot of it. <laughs> Simply because you've got too much and it has to come out. And when it does, it's almost incontrollable. Yeah. Uncontrollable. So... You know, for me, it's minimal breath. It's about breath, keeping all of this relaxed, mm -hmm. getting up here in the mask, and the breath is what sustains the mask and keeping the larynx as free and down as possible. Okay. When you say in the mask, what do you mean by that? I mean, okay, it's this little, if you put a, you know, if you're going snorkeling, mm -hmm. you got the little mask, you put that on, and it's this area, you want everything, it's it's the uh, the old traditional bell kind of, they talk about this area up here where all of the hard tissue in your head is. Right. And so, is it... Singing in the mask, well, no, but it's using the sinuses and the and the heart palate as your microphone. That, Do you feel it when you oh, when it's engaged? Absolutely, because when I sing, it's like ah, ah, there's that pull. Yeah, and you can generate a hell of a lot of sound. Mm -hmm. I can sing like a tenor. I can sing like a bass. It works. It's just this matter of how much, if you want to make more noise, you add, you make, move more air. Mm -hmm. And you can do that by pulling underneath rather than pushing. Right. You said uh, uh, lowered larynx earlier. Is right. that something that happen, should happen naturally or something that you have to think about? It depends. Yeah, it doesn't have to be low when you start, but it needs to be relaxed. Okay. In a relaxed position. But what I like, I use the old Italian aggiustamento. And as I'm going up in pitching, you watch my larynx. Okay, if I do this, if I smile, now watch what happens when I do this. You see it come mm -hmm. down? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I go into the, the, the old bel canto school. When you get into the passaggio, okay? Let's just, for argument's sake, let's just say B natural, baritone passaggio, primo passaggio, B natural, F sharp, or mm -hmm. F, okay? And so as I'm going up, I'm trying to get the larynx down. 
Okay. How do I do that? Well, the breath is there, number one. But I, re I oblige these depressor muscles right here to move the larynx down just by doing this. Okay. That's all. Do I talk about vocal cover? Never. Do I talk about protecting the voice? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. My teacher used to say, no, Tim, you must cover, you must cover. And I'm going, he said, fool, Paul Cooper. And I'm going, I don't get it. He said, no, he's too dark, you know. And I'm going, <laughs> I never quite got it because his, but then after singing for a little while, I went, okay, he wants to throw it open, but how do you do that? If you go, oh, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So I finally figured out it was just, ah, I'm over the top. And just by doing this. So it's almost like just a total relaxation Absolutely. of everything in the face. Yeah, but you see the larynx goes down oh, yeah. as I go up. I sit here and do this all day, and I'm 70. Wow. So and it works. So and then so most of the problems that, that young singers may face could essentially be solved with, with breath work. Absolutely. With Absolutely. I had a boy in here who had his first lesson today. Mm -hmm. uh, he's not a boy. He's a young man. He's 23. But I'll tell you what, this kid's got a hell of a nice voice. And we worked for an hour. And he went, he was struggling at B flat, now he's singing D flat in an hour. <laughs> and it's, it's not rocket science, you know, mm -hmm. it really isn't. If the breath is there and it's there 100% of the time and you keep this relaxed, you can sing. You know, I think. It's fantastic. I think a lot of teachers make a lot more out of it than's mm -hmm. necessary. So how does, I've heard people sing, say, sing from the diaphragm. Does that, does that translate to anything when you're Not teaching? to me, no. Okay. I mean, as people say, you know, Support! That's, that's something you give your ex-wife, you know? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. You know, I, I always heard that. Sing from the diaphragm. Okay, I'm singing from the diaphragm. What do I do with it, you know? Yeah. That's easy to say those things, but show me how it works. Tell me how it works. Right. I need to know. And most teachers don't. They just say, no, support, support. Get underneath it. You know, what does that mean? Get on the breath. What does that mean? You know? <laughs> I don't know. Right, right. But you, if you explain it, though, in such a way that it is the physical nature of the things, and you can demonstrate it mm -hmm. or talk about it, but if you can explain what happens and show them what happens, then it becomes accessible. You know, being a teacher or being an educator of any kind is about modalities, and everybody's a little bit different, mm -hmm. and people learn in different ways. And so you have to be able to present the same idea in four or five different ways, which I do. It depends right. on the student. You know, I think this is the breath is right. It's the mm -hmm. only way to do it. I've tried them all. It's, you know, this <laughs> that kind of stuff. And um, I know that there are the Russian school and the Eastern European school is different than big black Holland. But I also know, for instance, guys like uh, the, the really great Russian singers, like uh, there was a bass that was married to, what's her face, Mira Lafay, what's mm -hmm. his name? Yadov. He's, he's Italian trained. The great Russian singers are usually singing the Italian way. There's Vladimir Bogachev, is a friend of mine, he's a tenor. Okay. And I sang Otello with him in Amsterdam. He's 38 years old and he's like, oh, 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 already, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's just because he's just grinding on it all the yeah. time. It's too bad, because it's big, it's loud, <laughs> but that's all he can do is sing loud. Right. There's no artistry in it. So how does how does your, your breath control change then when you're trying to sing soft or learning to sing soft? How, do you feel you need more, more of that? Absolutely. Absolutely. When I call it re-energizing the breath. Mm -hmm. For instance, if I, if I start, 
Ah, here's my breath. Ah, there's that. Ah, now just come underneath it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Use a little bit less air, but make sure that it's really supported. Ah, and for me, it's like the Doppler effect. Mm -hmm. The race car is coming at you. Ah, it's that kind of sensation that I'm feeling. Right. It's wild, but it works. And I noticed your entire body is engaged. Oh, absolutely. Every yeah. single. Yeah. And it's all, it's almost there's a one of the phrases that I love is emotional content. There's so much that emotional content can fuel the way you sing. It can help you sing a little bit better if you just put a little bit of something behind there. Well, not only that. Um, if you sing the text, don't sing notes. Sing the text. You know. A lot of people, it's all presentational about making big pear-shaped sounds. And at the end of the day, that's fine. It sounds good. But, I mean, when you're singing what is supposed to be a play, mm -hmm. you know, if you do the text, it will draw the voice with it. Right. It really will. Well, I know you're short on time, so we will skip to just a couple of quick questions I ask everybody. What is your pregame routine? As in, when you have a performance coming up, mm -hmm. what do you do during the day before the performance to get yourself ready? Just, just the normal stuff. <laughs> get up and have breakfast and take a walk and watch a football game, whatever. You know, mm -hmm. make sure you get a decent picture. The big deal for me at my age, I, I can sing with no sleep. I've done that before. You know, I don't like to. Mm -hmm. it's, I'm always wasted when it's over. But, you know, if I get a decent sleep and just have a normal day, try not to talk too much. Uh, but, you know, I used to think that I had, I couldn't eat, but certain foods, I had to make sure I had 15 hours of sleep the night before and all this bullshit. And it was like, oh my God, stop already. Yeah. You know, don't take yourself so seriously. And it was, once I got over that, I did a lot better. Mm -hmm. People complain about, well, I have to sing a matinee. Oh my God, I have to get up. I'm going, well, what do you normally do? If you sing at the Metropolitan Opera, you get up at 8 o'clock or earlier because you have rehearsals at 10 in the morning. Mm -hmm. Get over yourself. <laughs> you know, stop already. My lesson when I was in school was at 9. <laughs> These people, they don't start, their hearts don't start beating until 10, 30, or 11. Right. I mean, are you kidding me? Get over yourself. <laughs> what would you say your favorite uh, vocalese is? I use a lot of, I like to vocal, I like lip trills. Mm -hmm. I like to vocalize down. I like to use long, sustained things like the great scale, which is and so forth. You do that for about 15 minutes, and I'll tell you what, you will build some stamina in your voice. Oh, wow, that is awesome. And you can't do it if you're not on the breath either. Right, right. I stole it from Lily Lehman. Oh, wow. That's her book, How to Sing. Okay. What's that? Is it called How to Sing? How to Sing, How to sing? by Lily L-I-L-L-I-Lehman, L-E-H-M-A-N-N, Lehman. The book, she wrote this in the early 1900s. Anybody that was able to sing from the 1860s to 1922 has my hat off. Mm -hmm. And she did. <laughs> she was in the original Ring at Bayreuth. Oh, wow. And, you know, and then her last public performance was in 1922. And she was a soprano, and she also, her Met debut was as Carmen. Wow. <laughs> I mean, she, what a, she just sang. Yeah. It didn't matter. You know, Caruso, you know, sang as a baritone. 
And he used to use the, what they call, I asked kids today, what's mezzo voce? Half voice, yeah, but what's that mean? How do you do that? Is there a way to do that? Well, I found out the mezzo, and I always wondered, I knew that's literally what it means, mm -hmm. but it is actually a vocal color. Okay. And it is a way of singing that you sing right on the chord. And it's, you know, it's the mechanism that you'd use to trill. So, ah, it's right there. Mm -hmm. Resonance is still up here, but it's right here. Ah, instead of ah. So you can really darken the color just doing that. Yeah. Caruso used to do that all the time. <laughs> I read about it and I thought, holy crap. Now I know what mezzo voce is. Absolutely. At least in the context of the Bel Canto School. And so, <clears throat> kind of to wrap things up, what's the one thing you want to share with young singers that, that you want them to take away? For God's sake, just sing and have fun. <laughs> Don't take yourself too seriously. Okay? We all put our pants on the same way. And chances are none of you will make it in the business. But if you do, remember where you started. And if you don't, just keep singing because that's what you do. You have to sing, you know. You have to be able to outwork everybody else. And you also have to be able to, uh, if you want to really be successful in the business, persevere. There we go. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did, and we've got a lot more coming up in the future. The first full episode will be available in a couple weeks, featuring a new teacher at IU, Brian Gill. Please go to the website, racingersofopera.com, and you can find out a lot more information about what's coming up, as well as the bios of those I've talked to on here. Also, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all of which are linked directly to the website. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you soon.